With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, it's Fowler once again to tell you about Manscaped. Yes, sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the kings of comfort crotch, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. I've had the honour of testing out these new boxers. Thank you, Manscaped, for those three pairs. They're already the main three on my regular rotation. And I can say that they are the softest fabric of any underwear out there. And if I'm enjoying them, I think you should as well. It's time to invest in your family jewels. So let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code Terrace at www.manscaped.com. I've talked to you many times about how many great products that Manscaped has, from the Lawnmower 4.0 to keep everything trim and nice, to the ball toners and deodorant to keep everything smelling nice, and also the Weed Whacker, which attacks ear and nasal hair. But you should have also heard me talk a couple of times about the boxers. I'm a huge fan of boxers like these because, unfortunately, when I wear cotton undies from time to time, they tend to get a wee bit chafing downstairs, and there is nothing worse than that. You can't be out trying to look all cool if you're walking like John Wayne because you've got some pain down there because your boxers have been rubbing against your red-hot thighs and, you know, groinal area. So let me tell you about these boxers. They've got the dual pouch. That is a pouch designed to cradle your boys in their own special space lined with performative performance fabric to keep them well ventilated. The micro-model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, strut. These moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. The tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and it lays flat against your skin to reduce chafing. And furthermore, there's a front fly opening, which gives easy access, makes bathroom breaks quick and efficient. And you can choose from a range of designs and colors and sizes, running from small to triple XL. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at www.manscape.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code Terrace at www.manscape.com. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. the latest episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and I am joined today by... Oh, is it Tony Anderson or is it Joel Sked? It's the final of these top 12s. Both of them have helped me out with them this season. It's Joel Sked. Put in audible sigh. <laughs> for, for you or the listener? Oh, for the listener, for the listener. I'm, I'm, I'm happy, <laughs> happy to be here. That's good. It's good to hear. It's always nice to hear. 
Right, talk to our strikers, Joel. How did you find this list? I, f- <laughs> I found putting the... I found that actually quite easy, to be honest. I found... Uh, I went... F- so you put the long list um, uh, up, but I kind of just went through the, the 12 teams in my head and then wrote down names, then went on to the long list that you prepared on Y Scout and didn't add anyone to my list. Uh, the, the, the names I had in my head, I think I had 30. Teen potentially. Uh, I, I'm trying to think who who was the one I, I got rid. Of. Oh yeah, I know the one I got uh, got rid of. So I had 13 names and whittled it down to 12. Putting them put them in order was relatively straightforward. I've got someone who's higher up than he probably should be. So when it comes around to it, I might change it. I had 13 that I wanted to include, and I was like, oh no, I can't believe I have to leave off one of these. No one leave off any of these guys. And then I remembered I'd forgot somebody, which I thought, oh no. He might not, which I briefly, which I'll get to when I get to this player, briefly considered not having him on um, because he, the season he's had, he might not dis- necessarily deserve it. But I kind of thought, ah, overall, he, he, he probably still does deserve to be in this top 12. So then I had to get home and so then I had to bump another guy off. So there's two players that I, I'd, um, I, I quite wanted to include in my final top 12 that I didn't, but... Yeah, I'm, really, I'm really curious. I'm really curious because there was so I've got 30 names, and off my top 12, I know for a fact you definitely don't have one. So I'm, yes. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss to uh, to figure out which which strikers I that you have included that I've just 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 not considered at all. Right. Well, let's get to it right away then. Who's your number 12? My number 12 is Nadir Chifji. Who's your real number 12? <laughs> I really wish it was. Honestly, I really wish it was. Uh, my my number 12 is Christian Ramirez sneaking, sneaking <laughs> in. Boo! Yeah, this is the guy, This like because we, we discussed this briefly beforehand, this is the guy I do not have in my top 12, didn't even come into consideration for my top 15, might not even have sneaked into my top 20. Pish. That's it. Uh, that, that that's mental because there's some of it shit on this long list. Um, <laughs> he is he is there for goals and the goals he scored and the goals alone. So he scored like thirteen in the league. Uh, a lot of them came. Uh, a lot of them. Very few came within the final third of the season. When he first arrived, and it's just thirteen goals in his first season in the Scottish Premiership. I think it's, I think it's a very good return. However, when he first arrived, and I watched him, uh, both in both in Europe, he pressed against Hacken, but every Aberdeen player impressed against Hacken in the home leg. But the the more I watched him uh, in the first few league games and in, in, in Europe, I was he was he was scoring goals, but there was something about him that I just I just didn't think was was quite was was clicking, and then the more. So he, he he had a good a good run of goals, but the more I watched him, the more I just thought he is a very very limited striker. Now, if it wasn't for his goals, he would be nowhere near this uh, that this list. I think he is going to be leaving Aberdeen this season. I, I just don't I don't see him as a Jim Goodwin striker because I don't think he's a striker who really engages the oppositions. Uh, he's got one of the the so not only is he one of the fewest. Um, as the fewest offensive duels per ninety, I think at five point zero eight, but it's one of the he's got the worst one of the worst uh, success rates at twenty three point six, and then he only has one point one. Oh no, I think um, I think it's one point one seven successful offensive actions per ninety. That might be I might be wrong with that one, but I think that gives you a picture of what he is. He needs service to. Score goals and be the player he is. He's not a. I don't think think he's a great build-up striker. His touch is very, um, very erratic. I think he would eventually be found. I don't think he would score as many goals next season he would as he did this season. So he sneaks in there on goals, goals alone. I don't think he's a very good striker. <laughs> I didn't rate everybody on my list. So <laughs> um, I was so having like, a look at some of the other names. I think I think I would have had a number seventeen overall. So who? I'm just trying to think who you would have. Nicky Clark, no. Kevin Van no. Veen was 
Kevin Van Rien was one I was going to consider, but he's so inconsistent. Uh, you could I didn't include any of the hip strikers because I think Nisbet. I think he's. I really like Nisbet, but um, he has not had a good season. Deutsch has barely played, and when he has, he's just looked like a shadowful player. He was Danny Mullen, uh, Eamon Brophy. Pff, don't think he's had a great season. Marley Watkins has been good for Aberdeen when he's played. Jordan White is really limited. Cedric Kittens barely played. Effort for Motherwell, nope. James Scott, don't ha- don't give me a laugh. Uh, Alex Grieve. Alex, Alex, Alex Grieve, I would have above him. Um, I'd, I'd actually be putting, I forgot about Watkins, I'm maybe putting him down to 18 now. Um, there's some, list, some guys you named there who I wouldn't have ahead of him. Nicky Clark, maybe. Yeah, wouldn't have Nicky Clark ahead of him. Um, but there was only one player there you said it was on my list. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, how we go as we, as we progress into this. My number 12... Oh, sorry, actually, actually maybe talk about why I don't, I don't like... Um, no, when you said it himself, Karen, I don't really know what to add on Ramirez. Uh, he's very slow. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't really, he's not a really great player. He's not bad at holding the ball up. Um, and that's... And yeah, he can score goals if given chances, but that's about it. And he only played well for... And even then, not tremendously well, but he only played well for half a season. And that's just not enough for me. And like you say, I'll be away in the summer anyway, so but, you know, he'll be, be somebody that I'll forget within the next 24 months. Literally, he's in there for gold. I don't think, I, I just I need to reiterate, I don't think he's a very good football player. Right, my number 12 is Johnson striker Callum Hendry. Oh. That's <laughs> harsh. <laughs> you're, thinking, you're thinking too low. Well, listen to this. This is why I've got him 12. Because he could be higher. You he must have some shit on your list, honestly. Fuck you now. It could be, it could be higher than this, but I feel like I've seen this movie before with Callum Hendry. We saw it in the second half of, or, or throughout most of the, well, particularly the second half, but throughout most of the truncated 2019-2020 season, where he really kind of came into his own with somebody that. Kind of, could you kind of you can see it even like in the early days of St. Johnson when they signed him, although it wasn't, you know, although he wasn't particularly good, you kind of see that the attributes that were there. He's somebody that could, somebody that could shift, but was also big. He maybe could get himself kind of a regular goal threat. He was somebody who you knew could also create for others as well, and that kind of all came together towards the end of that season. Callum Davidson then seemed to build the team around him, and it really didn't work. Um, the last campaign. He went alone to Aberdeen, where he was the best of a bad bunch, and strikers had signed in January. But Aberdeen fans weren't exactly, you know, oh, no, I really wish we, we, we re-signed Henry to, uh, to like a permanent deal, so that didn't happen. He goes back to St. Johnson, gets a little chance at start of the season again, doesn't really do much. Then goes alone to Killy, where in a league below, he was alright, but mm, not but great. I've, I've, I think that's, I think alright is harsh. I think, uh, I think Kelly's he was alright for Kelly. I don't think he was great for Kelly. It, it wasn't like it wasn't like a loan deal that you thought, right, that's it. He's got his confidence back. He's going to come smash it up at St. Johnson. When he was going back to St. Johnson, I don't think he was going to make any impact really. But he was excellent, excellent in the second half of the season. One of the bi- one of the biggest reasons why they stayed up in the end. A very valuable player to Callum Davidson and that St. Johnson team in the second half of the campaign. But let me just see this, Callum. Before I'm going to anoint you as like number eight or seven on like a list such as this, let me see it for more than a few months at a time, because we've seen this before, and he's forming in the toilet at the start of the next season. So let's see it again. If he plays, if he well, I doubt he'll stick around. Yeah, he's out of contract. But if say he sticks around in the Scottish top flight, let's get another campaign of you playing. Let's get a full campaign of you playing like this, and then we can start to talk about him being deserved to be a lot higher on this list because it's just. Not enough consistent output. He's got flashes where he looks like one of the best strikers in the league. But right now, those are flashes and therefore not enough for me to go above 12. They, so when, they say, when you said a lot higher on the list, I don't have them a lot higher. I have them 10th. But... <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, that's harsh. <laughs> Fucking hell, two positions. Still, it's, it's, it's very harsh for Callum Henry to have him 12th. He's, he's a player, so I may as well talk about him now. He's, he, he's a player I would love to see at Tynecastle next season. I think he has, he's, he, as I was saying, there's uh, there's raw elements to him, but I think he's got all the, uh, he's got a lot of the qualities that you want from a strike. And I do see, I, there's, there's something I'm, I kind of see Lyndon Dykes esque 
I can think he can be a handful. He can run in behind. He can run the channels. He can uh, he can link up play. He can score goals as well. I like think the, the goal the other night against Inverness in the in the playoff final was 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 lovely. Okay, Mark Ridgers didn't stand up uh, that well, but uh, kind of shows there's different kind of styles to his, his finishing, and I just think he's he can be a real handful. And do yes, he does need he does need that. Um, Kind of to be the focal point in a, a run of games, maybe the Hearts is the the right move from for that. But I I do think there is a a tremendous striker in uh, in Callum Hendry. Okay, so who's your number eleven? My number eleven is Bruce Anderson. I have him one place higher. Yeah, and I've got him as my number ten. Uh, Bruce Anderson has it's been a great. He's one. I think uh, Tony and I have, uh, have banged on about this in the group chat. Both of us felt that he was the ideal signing for Livingston. From what he did at Hamilton last season, he just he just seemed to thrive and be given the confidence that perhaps he wasn't at Petodre. He can be. He, he can be a handful. As in, he's mobile. He's he's always on the move. He is a, a good. I think he's a good finisher. I think he showed he's capable of a good finisher. Uh, that he's he's goal conversion. I think he's got one of the best uh, goal conversions in the league. Uh, he's number one from strikers. Uh, was for he number one? Number one. Yeah. Uh, so I think he basically scores a third of his shots, which is which is excellent. And he's got three assists as well. It's surprisingly he's, he, he doesn't get involved in uh, too many offensive duels. Again, the way Livingston play he might. Um, it's because he's it's because he's not good in the air at all. Yeah, so he's 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 small, he's small, but he makes up for it in uh, in other ways. He's the type of player that, as a defender, you just can't he he can't kind of just switch. You can't even switch on off for a second because he will he'll he'll run in behind. And the the best thing to say about him is that he's always he's always alert. He's always ready to pounce. Uh, scored double figures, and yeah, I think he's. Uh, I'm glad to see what he's done because I thought he was very good for Hamilton in bits when he went on loan last season, and I always felt there was a there was a good striker in uh, in Bruce Anderson. And again, I think he would have scored a few more goals, but injury issues um, were um, not problematic, but there were there were a few this season which limited his game time. In bits is the key word to his. Yes. That's not, not a word, is it? In bits is the key phrase to his Hamilton days because he did look good to start with and I think kind of felt that he then just kind of regressed in the background quite a bit once they, they started having injuries to their big men last season. So Marius Ogunpo and David Moyle, I think, both got injured at the same time and he was having to play up front alongside... I think it's Cammy Smith. Is it not quite a lot of the time? Not Cammy Smith. Is it Cammy Smith? There's too many Smiths in Scottish football. The boy that plays up Callum, front. Callum Audrey. Smith. Callum, Callum, Smith. Callum Smith. Yeah. Yeah, Callum Smith. Aye. So uh, I played up front with him, and it just didn't really work out as much. And I kind of thought, right. So he's only really someday that kind of he has to have like a big player beside them. And then so when Livy signed him, you kind of thought, well, Livy going to be playing him up front on his own for a lot of the season. I don't see how that's going to work out. And I tipped at the start of the season that I didn't think Bruce Anderson was going to be Livingston's striker. I thought Jack Hamilton had a better chance of doing so because he was coming back from a very fruitful loan spell uh, or both the season before he then went consequently back on loan or both. But also that he was just, he just somebody that, in, in just in terms of his makeup, um, just looked to me somebody that would fit Livingston's style a bit more. But Anderson's fit very well. Yeah, he gives him, as you say, maybe doesn't get involved in a lot of canarial kind of duels, but he's somebody that annoys defenders. He... Covers a lot of, it makes a lot of very intelligent runs around the final third, not only to get himself into scoring positions, but also to set up teammates as well. As well as the number one overall for strikers for goal conversion percentage, he was number six for expected assists per 90. And I think he was the only one that wasn't a Celtic Rangers player in the top six from memory. So that's very impressive as well. And he's quite good at taking players on as well. So he's got a lot going for him. And fair play to him, because I, I didn't see it happening coming into this campaign. But he's, he's proved me wrong, and he certainly proved Derek McInnes wrong. <laughs> yes, and uh, Callum Hendry, and uh, Callum Hendry as well. Or but did he prove McInnes wrong? McInnes signed him. Anyway, uh, who's, who's, your, um, <laughs> who's your number 10? Because No, that was my number 10. My number 11... Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, 
My number 11 is somebody you don't have on your list because you said already you left him out and that was the only player I think you mentioned. Kevin Nisbet. Uh, yeah, obviously didn't have a great season. Uh, eventually cut short by a uh, knee injury. It'd be interesting to see what it looks like when he comes back from that. But I still think... still think he's a very good player. Put it this way, and I was kind of thinking... I was thinking about him. So I just didn't come to the Ramirez. And I think it's wild you've got Ramirez instead of him. But... Like, if you compare... So, other guys I thought of who didn't make it for me. Joel Newblay didn't make it. And Kevin Van Veen didn't make it. And I nearly had Van Veen. And Van Veen was a player I dropped out for Nisbet. And I just kind of thought... If I was starting a team tomorrow and I had the option to sign one of the two, who would I sign? And I compare it to Newplay as well, who would I sign? It's Kevin Nisbet all day long. Uh, yes, he, he didn't have a great campaign, but a lot of that was... A lot of that was kind of his... I thought his confidence took a real dip this campaign. I still think he's maybe not quite recovered from not getting the movie what he did in the January window when he put in the, the transfer request, although he did kind of... His form did pick up towards the end of, of last season again after he had the wee kind of spell out the side and wasn't quite firing on all cylinders. And there is, there is, I suppose, an argument to be made that he might have just had a really kind of purple patch riding the, the confidence that he had first coming up from the championship where he'd scored shitloads of goals, having then having previously scored shit goals, goals in League One. But I've watched this bit quite a few times this season, covering Hibs games. And I think he has... The biggest deficiency in this game, this campaign, has been that he's missed a lot of chances that he was taking last year. And I think that goes into the whole confidence thing. But overall, I think he's played... Sometimes it looks like he can't be arsed. There is that. But when he looks motivated and he looks like he's sharp, he's still, I think, often one of the best players on the pitch. And then you'll come away for the game and you'll be like, ah, I thought Nisbet played the right. And him fans will be like, no, nah, he was terrible. He was terrible. Because I think they're used to seeing the best of him. I think it was kind of similar Easter Road when John McGinn was there. Obviously not, not the same player in terms of talent, but in terms of like a player who... It's clearly one of the better players in the team, but you become used to, to what how good they can be. So when they don't reach that level, you don't quite appreciate as much what else they're bringing to it. And I kind of thought, like I say, not on the same level as McGinn, obviously, but I kind of thought there was shades of that this year with Nisbet, where I was like, he's still not a bad player. He's still one of the better forwards in this league. He's playing on a team that's not very good. Um, he, he's snatching at chances that are coming his way. And he's also playing on a side that I think for a lot of the campaign didn't necessarily play his strengths as well. I think if he doesn't show any sort of real setback uh, from his injury in terms of maybe in terms of it eroding his confidence even more or, or giving him any sort of physical limitations, then I think he'll come back next campaign. And if Hibs are any good, if Hibs are even decent again, the top six side under Lee Johnson, then I think we'll, we'll have Kevin Nisbet scoring 15 goals again and he'll be right up higher up in the list in terms of this. I don't think... Not had a great campaign, but I don't think it was enough to, to fully write him off and, and to completely ignore him from, from a top 12. Yeah, I think you, I think you make some uh, very good points, and I do think I have been been very, very harsh because I, I'm a really big Kevin Nisbet fan because there's times last uh, times this past season where I've watched him. I'd, I've really enjoyed watching him, and I felt like the stick he was getting from Hibs fans was, was, was maybe harsh. And that, that, uh, that doubt by the Hibs fans... And his injury, and the missed chances, all kind of weighed on me. But you you mentioned it when you start first started talking about Nisbet. Uh, if I had the choice between like Nisbet, uh, choice between uh, if I was starting a team and the choice between Nisbet, Ramirez, Van Veen, uh, Newbley, you mentioned, uh, I would include probably Anderson in this and Hendry as well. Was that I would have uh, I would choose Nisbet over them all all day long. I think he's actually think he's uh, developed quite well at Hibs. Out with his scoring, I think he's. I think he's a really uh, good player. With his, he's back to goal. There is elements of uh, that he reminds you of Liam Boyce in that, where it's sometimes it's quite frustrating to watch where he's doing a lot of really good work. He's almost like a number ten, but he's mm-hmm. not actually getting in to to, to scoring positions. His goal, yeah, it's inter- interesting. You said you mentioned the uh, kind of missed chances, or the, the chances wasn't uh, he wasn't taking the chances it was this previous season. Looking at it, I think he's got the biggest differential in terms of uh, goals to expected goals. I think his expected goals is nine point five five. His goals, goal return was was five. So he can 
going by that over a longer period of time, you you will you normally return to return to form. So yeah, I have been uh, I think I've been very very harsh on this. But and you talked about if he was if, if you come back stronger. Uh, seen seen a picture of him. It sounds very creepy, but I've seen a picture of him on uh, on Instagram on holiday, and the boy is absolutely shredded. You should see the size of his biceps. My word! Think Connor Salmon had Curtis Mean. Wow. Okay. Lean, lean, mean fighting Kevin Nisbet machine next season. <laughs> yeah, it does look like his rehab consisted of arms and arms only. <laughs> Uh, a lot of flying elbows Easter on next year, especially if Brian Poetry sticks around. Anyway, who's you? you've said your number 10 already, haven't you? Calm Henry. Yes. Yes, my number 10 is Bruce Anderson. Who is your number 9? My number 9 is Ellis Sims. Oh! Yes, I, 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 I'm, a, yeah, I'm a Hearts fan that doesn't fully buy into the hype. Uh, been, Hearts fans, we've been, uh, we've been stung, stung by this before, where a person's players come in on loan, and you th- uh, or he's uh, uh, just kind of strikers came in, and he's looked really good for six months, uh, and then it kind of kind of tails off. I think Sims has been a oh, fantastic signing. He's really, really awkward. Um, he's a really awkward character. Good focal point is the type of player that Hearts need because he's one of those who can you can you can play him to feet. Sometimes his touch is a bit wayward, but the defender doesn't really know what he's going to do. He's got the strength as he showed against um, Paul Hamlin in the derby to hold off players. Uh, he can run in behind and he can kind of uh, combine with with teammates. However, he misses a lot of chances, and I do, I, I think. I think that awkwardness could end up grating and I just wonder kind of longer term how effective he would be. His goal conversion is, like I said, he's, he's uh, been really poor. I think he's, he's, missed, he's missed quite a few chances. Yeah, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't win a lot of offensive duels and doesn't create ma- uh, much chances in, uh, for, for, for teammates. But again, if he's playing up with Liam Boyce, who does create chances with teammates, it, it doesn't doesn't really matter. It kind of weighs out. But I'm just I'm not fully on board this um, the Sims hype train. I get, I definitely get where you're coming from. Uh, I think you make some decent points, and I do wonder as well. So obviously, I've got I've well, no, obviously, obviously, I've not I've not mentioned yet. But I'll say now, I've got him higher on the list than Boyce. Um, oh really? And <laughs> I, I I do need to uh, I do need to um, reconfigure my voice uh, selection because he is high. <laughs> for someone who's barely kicked, it's kicked a ball. Yeah, for I know. Yeah, and um, I have him. I have him higher, but I, I do kind of wonder if you're talking whether the kind of the cult of sim. Uh, sorry, Cult of Sims has been helped a lot by having Leon Boyce playing behind him um, because he has a naturally kind of more intelligent, creative player playing off him. And obviously he's got back oh, as well. So, so, that, so that definitely helps. And, and Sims is Sims thrives having got guys like that behind him because he's all about his game. It's, he's a strong running, his ability to run the channels, to run through, clear on goal, to... To beat defenders in one on ones through not only his pace but his strength as well. To to you know if he gets to the ball first and a defender gets there like roughly the same time, it's very hard to knock him off the ball. And he's very much a you know you get what you see kind of player. He, he runs he runs hard. He's gets into good positions. Yeah, he can maybe score some of more of the chances that he gets, but he's still got some very good technique on him as well. Can score some very nice. Um, Efforts as well, and he's good in the air. Uh, is something I think we should mention as well. Uh, a lot of aerial duels had a very high success rate for them as well. Number two overall amongst all the forwards that we put into this long list, which I think was thirty-eight. So that's very impressive. But the reason I had him ahead of boys is that just when it came down to it this season, and Hearts were wanting to improve as the second half of the campaign was going on, you didn't necessarily have to pick both of them, but Hearts were. Clearly, a better team with Ellis Sims up front rather than Liam Boyce. I felt so that was why he's higher for me. Felt much higher than Boyce, but he's higher for me on this list. Uh, I think I've got him number seven. Yeah, I did number seven. 
yeah, that's where that's uh, that's where that's where I'll be having boys because uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna knock him down. I had him five, but I thought I was just wild, just wild. Even with <laughs> my yeah, uh, <laughs> even with my bias, so I'm, I'm knock, knocking him down to. Uh, so yeah, uh, yeah, Sims is nine for me. Right at number nine for me, I have Tony Watt from Dundee United. I have him at, have him at number eight. Right, cool. Right, so what could have been could have been higher? Do you know what? Could have been higher than Sibs, could have been higher than Boyce. I think the problem with what in putting him higher is a similar kind of similar kind of thing to Callum Hendry. Now, what was excellent for Motherwell and he across his pretty much his entire spell there. Yeah. But and he still, I thought he played well for United after he went there. But his goal return then became a bit of a problem, I think. And we've seen this with what before. Often, if he's not chipping in, at least semi-regularly with goals. No, he was on fire, Motherwell, in the campaign. But if he's not, usually for his career in Scottish football, his career for football in general is that he usually kind of bursts onto a scene, scores a few goals, doesn't get any more, and then that kind of starts the wear at him. And his performances dip as a result, and he ends up trying to do too much in the park. And I do worry about that for him at United going forward. And just going to United and not, yeah, fair enough, he's played out on the left wing an awful lot. But he did that in Motherwell as well and still contributed a bit more goals. Again, maybe just different styles of team. Maybe not sitting them, you know, didn't have much around him at United in terms of creativity. He was really their kind of main creative force in attack in the second half of the campaign. So that's maybe weighing him a bit as well. Um, but yeah, those kind of things accumulatively. I should maybe, because I mean, Sims there isn't a, a, <laughs> much of a like a sample size uh, to, to put in my head of what when you're kind of comparing that. Because I'm going to talk on, about comparing what to boys. But with Sims, it was just kind of really kind of simple about yeah, this guy's gets this guy gets you goals. This guy is a danger to our team. He gets you goals. What he's an excellent player to watch. His control, his ability to run with the ball, his ability to jink past players, to create for others. Some of the goals he scores, I mean, he doesn't score very often, but some of the goals he scores are phenomenal in terms of their technique. But when I was comparing them to Boyce particularly, because I wanted to have Sims above Boyce, and then I'd swayed between Boyce and Watt, and I just thought Boyce is just so much more of a back catalogue to, to lean back on it to say he will get the goals for us. And he, he will not only get the goals, but he will do the other things, a lot of the other things that Tony Watt does as well. So when I toss it between them, I thought Boyce is more reliable. But as I've already kind of mentioned, Tony Watt is a, a specially talented footballer. And it's been great to see that he's that he has kind of finally found himself. And I hope that in his early days, it still might be fine. But I hope that it's not then being lost by the, the decision to go to Dundee United from Motherwell because I really thought he had set up, found the perfect situation at Fur Park. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a weird one when he's moved to Tannadice because just thinking about, as you talked there, it's like there's lack of creativity. But even at Motherwell, there's a lack of creativity. Like their midfield wasn't a... Um, yeah. Uh, it was, it was quite, like a, wasn't a creative hotspot. So it was, but again, I just think the the way they played them, Mullerwell almost played uh, played a front three. Whereas, I've just found Water just getting in uh, was 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 far. He just seemed to be further away from the action areas, uh, the the box for larger uh, periods uh, at United. When you watch him, he's clearly made them a better player, and I do think that United will have to, to sign well to because I just felt that the. United could have done with two Tony Watts, one outside the box, kind of one inside yeah. the box. I don't know if he was. I just felt like watching him. He was he was quite frustrated. Uh, at Dundee United, yeah. where he, he was playing with a bit more freedom at Motherwell, which uh, is completely understandable. Like I say he's he's gotten himself in great shape. He looks after himself. Uh, he looks after himself really well uh, physically. So. I think there's. I think he's a cracking player. He's a really intelligent forward. He wins. He he wins fouls. I was going to say he gets fouled a lot, but there's a lot of time he wins fouls. Uh, really, uh, really, really well. His first half of the season at Motherwell was was, was brilliant. I think he scored. Was the live game against Dundee United on TV? Scored one of the best goals of the season. Just the the technique in which, and and how he took it. I just think he's a, a really f- a fun player to watch. Um, both. 
around the box and and outside the box and do think that he, there's a chance hopefully if United sign uh, correctly that he'll be higher up the list next season Right so that was my number 9 who's your number 8? That was my number 8 Ah uh, my number 8 is Liam Boyce in that case so let's talk about Boyce We've kind of talked so, about yeah, we've kind of talked about her already because we've been like comparing yeah. them to other players. Um, I think for Liam, for me, Liam I, Boyce, right? I know Hearts fans get a lot of frustrated with Boyce because, and I'm actually surprised his goal conversion rate wasn't like a lot worse. Like uh, he didn't figure out in like the, the bottom ten for me, <laughs> for bottom ten in terms of list. And that's maybe just says a lot about some of the rubbish on there. But he seems to have he's missed a lot of chances this season. It's kind of driven Hearts fans a bit mental, and he does kind of have a tendency. Especially when he goes through one-on-one with the goalkeeper to like never lift it. To always like mm-hmm. try to fire it through the keeper's legs or, or something, fire it low. And he's missed a lot of chances due to that. I think if you, if you just have a bit more composure in those areas and lift it, which is weird to say because he definitely done that at Ross County. Like it was just lethal all the time. So I don't know whether he's just having a bit of a dry campaign or whatever. Uh, but even then he still scored uh, I think 16 goals in total I mean a few of them were penalties but I always say I don't think you should completely write off uh, penalty taking ability because some players don't have the ability to do it and some players are rubbish at doing it Liam Boyce isn't the most consistent of penalty takers either but it, it, the record's not horrendous either um, but there's just so much else that he, he does in terms of his all-round game because he is a good finisher uh, overall yeah not the best campaigns for it but he's proven over his career good finisher gets in a good position creative for his teammates links up play very well um, works hard for the side um, holds the ball up decently well for somebody that could do everything good pass to the ball good vision doesn't commit a lot of fouls doesn't make a lot of stupid errors like there's a lot going to Leon Boyce's game I'm pretty sure I said when he first kind of signed for Hearts if Boyce had pace then he wouldn't he be hard <laughs> yeah he wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't be in this league I don't think um, that's the only kind of major deficiency for his game is that he really has kind of no pace not even much of a burst to speak of but he has so much else going for him and yeah I've had many many arguments in the in the pub after Hearts games this season when there's always somebody that really doesn't rate Liam Boyce and I, I don't I get people I get why people be frustrated with him but I don't get not rating him at all I just I don't understand mm. Yeah, it comes down to Hearts sort of worst team when he's not not playing. He was excellent Scottish last Cup season. Final being a good example. Yeah, yeah, he was he was excellent in that kind of response from he was, he was rubbish in the semi final, and then he was he was really really good in the in the final, um, and then you show <laughs> try and play Andy Halliday in his position, and uh, that's what happens. He's. When he first came, uh, like last season, such a frustrating season for I think everyone at Hearts, even though he won the championship, and he tell that he needed, uh, he was basically having to do uh, like two or three jobs, kind of similar to what we talked about is uh, Dundee United, by Byron McGuy coming in, and there was a real good relationship there, and you could see he could play close to the box, but if you restrict him just to be a, a number nine, I think that is, uh, I, th- I think you're you kind of. Uh, robbing him off his str- like a lot of strong parts of his game, and it is he is kind of a nine uh, between a nine and a, uh, like a, a number nine and a number ten because, like you say, he's a very intelligent player on the. He can get the ball and then he can turn players. He can combine. He's got a really good uh, vision in terms of the kind of the picture in his head before the balls when the balls coming to him. He knows he knows what's around him. Uh, and yes, he's finishing it. It can be so so frustrating. He he's, should have scored to Courtney Weiss out four more goals than uh, than he did in the league. Although I think that might be kind of um, tweaked because of the the, the penalties he's missed. Uh, but they said with the pace, he's still got a good few years uh, a few years in him because he's he never really had to uh, operate with yeah. pace. So he's had to do. It's like Stephen McClay. He, yeah, he's had to has to has had to work on different uh, different areas of his game, and I think he will naturally just get deeper and just become a outright number ten eventually. But yeah, I I I I can't get my head around why why there would why fans uh, you wouldn't rate him. So that was my number eight. 
So you said your number eight, haven't you? Yeah, and that was my number seven. Boyce was my number seven. Right. Uh, my number seven was Ellis Sims. Where was Sims in your list? Oh, yeah, yeah, you had them earlier. Right, sorry. Right, right, that's what we talked about earlier. Don't know why I'm getting confused. <laughs> I'm this perfectly fine on every other show, and I'm just getting really confused at this point. Anyway, we're in the top half now. Where I'm pretty sure we're both going to have the same six. And they're from two teams. Sorry for being boring. Yep. Joel tried to change it up, but then realised how silly that was. <laughs> so, it'd be interesting to see what order we'll have these guys in, though. So let's start with you, Joel. Who's your number six? Kamar Roof. Oh, I have Fashion Sakala. I have Roof one place ahead of him. Yeah, so I've I've got I've got I've got Roof six, Sakala five. I could easily switch it around, but big thing that went against Roof is the fact that he's not reliable. You just can't rely yeah. on uh, on Kamar Roof. That was that was a big thing when Rangers signed him. He's a very good player. He showed. I think he started off really well. And he was fantastic at Leeds. But when it comes down to, it, you can't rely on him to be your 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 number one striker. Is he? He's good enough to probably be. He should he should be in the top three. His goal returns very very good. He gets shots on target. He can play in those kind of different attacking, um, attacking positions with Rangers when they have the ball. He can play as get a wider forward or a deeper forward, or he can play as as focal point. I think his movement is is really good around the box. But if you are not going to be available to your team uh, enough, then that's 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 a big problem. Came back scored against Hadri against at Midden, but then was with Morelos out for the remainder of the uh, season. He was effectively useless to uh, to, to Rangers. Um, was left on the bench for large periods of Europa League. Just wasn't uh, fit. Final wasn't fit enough. Came off the bench and he kind of showed his his ability. That you think if he could have started, then uh, it would have made a difference. So ability wise, he should be a lot higher up, but. He's not reliable enough, and then you compare it with Sakala, who, while he doesn't have anywhere near the quality of Roof in terms of a striker, in terms of kind of that intelligence around the box and its finishing, he does offer Rangers uh, a hell of a lot more. Yeah, I. The reason I had Sakala higher, sorry, the reason I had Sakala lower with Roof higher. Again, maybe a little bit of lifetime achievement. I thought I was more impressed with Roof last season. I don't think he's had a great campaign. A couple of reasons for that. His injuries have they've kicked up a little bit more this season than they did last last term. Also, it took a while for Van Bronckhurst to really kind of warm to him as well. So that, that kind of played a part in it. I kind of just had him higher though because still not entirely sure what Fashion Sakala is. <laughs> And that, that kind of went against him. He, he definitely has more strength to his ball. He's, he's excellent at running with the ball. He's somebody, like, not even that much removed for, for Roof in terms of somebody who gets away a lot of shots and scores a lot of goals and has a good kind of goals per 90 minutes ratio. And yeah. Surprisingly as well, Sakala, I was surprised that he was number one for all the strikers in terms of touches in the box per 90 minutes, which I was pretty impressed mm-hmm. by because you wouldn't usually think of that. You usually think of somebody who's kind of excellent at getting those tight areas with her back to goal and you know and not only you know getting the ball to, to try and get a shot away but also getting the ball to, to link with teammates and to keep defenders away even in those really congested areas which obviously are for, for Rangers and for Celtic as well and he, he does a bit more on the defensive side as well Sakala because mainly due to his kind of pace I mean Roof works quite hard for the team as well but Sakala obviously is just that a little bit more rapid and can and uh, is, uses his energy quite well to get in the face of opponents and disrupt them. But I just I can't really figure out: is he a forward? Is he a winger? <laughs> like I just can't. I yeah, can't. So the, does he? Does he fit Rangers? I'm going against him too much because he doesn't fit Rangers as much because they are going to be playing yeah. against teams that are sitting in a lot more. And if he's playing on a team that was able to hit the counter attack, would he be more devastating than Roof? I don't know. But I'm just still still figuring out Fashion Sakala. 10 months after he arrived <laughs> and uh, I feel like I've got more of a handle on Roof and know what he is and yeah the injuries because I've got him because I probably would have had Roof because I probably still think he's a better player than at least one of the guys I've got ahead of him who's a Celtic player but injuries I think he's a better player than Maeda and Giacomacus 
Yeah. And if so, he was, if he was fully fully fit for a full season, he would be top three. And he's, he, you know what, he could be challenging uh, for uh, the top position. I think he's, I think he's he's capable of being that good, but never really going to really going to know if Ranger striking. He's with a like doesn't matter if you're a Ranger striker playing for any team. Uh, if you've cost a decent amount of money, you'll be on a, a good wage. You need to be need to be available. And he's played what. 21 uh, played 21 games um, to be fair he's actually played one more uh, certainly in the league than, uh, than than Furuhashi and the same as Giacomacus but uh, again their, their, their returns has been uh, their impact on the team and the return has been uh, has been much higher uh, Lissacala he's just there's there's a chaos element to it he's, he's, he's very all action he will I don't think he'll ever be a consistent goal scorer I think uh, say for the next f- like five years at Rangers, I think he could he, in four of those seasons, um, he'll probably hit between maybe uh, eight and fifteen goals in the league, and then there could be one season where he just there just hits a hot streak and he scores thirty three. Uh, there there's something about him. There's something very Kenny Miller about him. Uh, I, I I think where you could put him in different attacking positions and you know he'll probably carry out your uh, carry out the instructions do a job for you don't think he's going to be never be the most natural of, of finishers but he is a great squad player a really good player to have in particular uh, uh, particular circumstances especially if there's uh, a time in Europe you're not going to have a lot of the ball so I think he's, there's a lot of qualities but just like kind of pinpointing them down to a certain type of certain type of striker. I don't think he is one. I think he's just such a. It's all, all almost like a, a a chameleon as a forward. He can just he, he can kind of shape him into uh, whatever you want, and he should perhaps do the job most of the time. Yeah, I don't think that's all fair. Right, who's your number four? Uh, my number four is Dyson Maeda. Oh. Surprised. I've only got one place higher, but I'm surprised. No, he's, he's, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's good. My number four. Uh, <laughs> he's just as... Maybe I've just fallen in love with... I suppose it's what you want. So, yeah. So, my, my Yeda, number four. I, I look at my Yeda... I, I look at Maeda as he is uh he's probably a better version of Fashion Sakala. Maybe that's been a wee bit harsh on him, but there's 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 times watching him and thinking and there's times that I watch him and thinking, are are you are are you really good or are you just really good at running? And then I think that would be very harsh on him just saying, Oh he's 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 a he's a pest, great at running. But I did I like him. I think he's I think he's a good player. He's uh, he'll score. The good the good thing about Maeda is with the way Postecoglou play, plays, he's ideal for that. He's high energy. He gets in opposition faces. He can play. He can play anywhere. Probably you play him across the the front three. He's big thing. Wins offensive duels. Um, makes himself available. Gets a lot. Gets on the ball a lot. Uh, and he's someone who'll score goals and and create goals. Uh, but just I just don't think he's good enough um, for my top three. He is. He's in my top three. I think he's. I think he's better than the player who I've got in number four. Um, because I just think I just think he offers more to the team overall. And I know kind of it's this is kind of the hardest thing when judging forwards. I really wanted to have Joel Newbley on my list to be honest, because um, he's just what he provides for the Livingston team is excellent. Like and and ask any Livingston fans, does he does he need to actually score for you? No, he doesn't really because he he, cre- he does so much for the team, makes us a better team in general, creates a lot for teammates. And so there's the goal aspect of it in terms of judging for us, how much stock do you put into just sticking the ball in the back of the net? Because we, when mm. we compare Maeda to, I'll just say my number four now because I think everybody can figure it out. Anyway, to George's Giacomacus, Giacomacus is undoubtedly a better, better goal scorer, better predatory finisher, probably a better uh, finisher in general as well. Um, but for me, Maeda brings a lot more to the team. His work rate is absolutely phenomenal. And... 
the shift that he puts in. He is number one. Well, for every for every forward looked at, number one for successful defensive actions per ninety minutes. He was the only like Celtic and Rangers player to feature in like the top ten, and he's number one. He was number one for position adjusted interceptions and number two for percentage of defensive duels won amongst all those forwards. For something he plays for Celtic, that's phenomenal. Like that's just ridiculous. Not only he said he could run with the ball, can't just like run with the ball, but he can also beat a man while he's running with the ball. So he's not just like taking it for A to B. He can also get around players. He touches the ball an awful lot in the penalty box. He's shooting well. He's maybe not as predatory as Jackamakis. He's um, in terms of percentage of shots on target. He's also very high as well, and he does take an awful lot of shots. So it's not like he's not a threat himself. And uh, yeah, I just think he's an excellent player. And I just think in terms of the limitations, if you look at both of the players, I think Jackamakis has more limitations to his game, and that's why I have made yes. ahead of him. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick, I'm gonna guess that you have Jackamakis at number three. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> yes, I I I do have Jack Marcus at, at number three, and I I agree that he has more limitations to his game than than Maeda. But when you look at the Celtic front line, you can play. So Maeda mostly plays as a kind of left forward, uh, or one of the wide forwards. You've got Leila Bada, Yota, and you can play Kyogo there. He 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 kind of started his Celtic career. Uh, from the left there's no one else well they've got Albion Hayeti but Giacomacus is their kind of specialist number nine striker I yeah. had I had my doubts when when Celtic signed him because I just looked at his I looked at his goal scoring record and last season with uh, VVV Venlo or whatever they're called I think it was I think it's triple, triple V Venlo or VV Venlo um he had a great, great return, but that, I think it was his, the first time in his career that he's really, um, really put a string of like, just put a really good goal scoring season down. And it came in the Netherlands, and I'm just thinking, red flag. This is this is a guy who's um, who's had one of those purple patch seasons, and Celtic are are signing him. He's came in and he's been he's been exactly what they wanted him to be, and what. The what they thought they were signing and not what I thought maybe would happen and he would come in and be a bit of a flop because there was that there was that concern early on in his career when he missed the penalty uh, I can't remember who it was against St Mirren maybe uh, it was late on um, maybe Dundee United I can't, I can't he missed a missed a late penalty and I think Celtic ended up ended up dropping points and you're thinking that's uh, that's a big concern for. Uh, for him because at that time you're thinking Celtic fans might uh, begin to doubt him but he's responded really well I mean 1.04 goals per 90 minutes is is, is mental um, he's got nearly 0.89 xg per 90 he uh, scores with nearly a third of his shots hits the target with 50 uh, more than 56 percent of his shots uh, but yeah he's like he doesn't he's not like a a big focal point he is he is he is Christian. He is what he's a striker that Christian Ramirez, uh, Christian Ramirez dreams he could be, uh, but I just think you've got for Celtic and uh, to extent Rangers when you've got all these uh, players, these versatile attackers who can play wide, who can play uh, deeper, but also can play through the middle. You still need someone who is going to stick the ball in the back of the net, get into goal scoring positions because at home, like home matches, especially home matches where it's tight, you, the ball's going to be in the opposition box a lot and you need someone who is is a striker who positions himself positions himself well, has good movement, and Giacomacus uh, Giacomacus has been that, and he's 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 been exactly the type of striker that Celtic uh, wanted, needed, and and got. Yeah, I mean that's all fair, but to me, it's still kind of picked him as being a bit more of a specialist than, than Maeda, which I had Maeda higher. Um, but I would also one more thing with Giacomacus, which really. Which was something that kind of raised my eyebrows and a, a, a kind of big reason why I had him yeah, as low down as I did. He was, I think he was like the only Celtic and Rangers player that featured anywhere near the bottom 10 in terms of expected assists per 90. Because usually they just figure high regardless of whether they're... He's a goal scorer! 
He plays for Celtic. We've got we've got goal scorers in like the Celtic and Rangers teams. Who, guys who score plenty of goals. But they still don't it, figure it, at the bottom. I, I they still don't figure at the bottom ten for expected assists per night because they play for fucking Celtic. You should be you should be expected to set up people a bit more than that. Not if you not if you are the you're in that you're in that team to just score goals because Celtic have got they got David Turnbull they have got Callum McGregor they've got Rio Hattati they had Tom Rogic they've got James Forrest they've got uh, Leila Bada Yota uh, Maeda Kyogo all players who can operate outside the box they just Yakimakis is a player they they, they need Ky- to Kyogo, just score goals goal scorer, he needs Abada, to be selfish goal scorer but also create Maeda goal scorer also creates. Does But none of them Doesn't None create. of them score as None of them score as regularly As Jack Amakis does I did well, I was going to say But somebody else has But he's next on my list <laughs> He's coming up on my list No he's, oh, uh, No one No one has a better Goals per 90 uh, Yeah but Rage, Somebody's uh, come Rage very Rage. close oh, Somebody's he's, second he's Somebody's point, second point, Somebody's he's second point 19 For away. goals per 90 <laughs> he, he's, he's points He's, he's points uh, 0.19 away Oh no 0.19 away uh, Right Okay So we're down our Right let's get that argument Out of the road We're down our top two uh, I think everybody knows Who it is right, It's either going to be Kyogo Furuhashi Of Celtic Or it's going to be Alfredo Morelos Of Rangers Who is your number one It's, it's, it's obvious It's always going to be a, You could have a shit season And it was still going to be Morelos <laughs> Same for me <laughs> Celtic fans are just all turning off right now. Fuck this. Fuck this. <laughs> right, but we've both got Kyogo number two. Let's talk about Kyogo first. Yeah. I mean, see, uh, Kyogo, like, if Kyogo had played the entire season, I would probably have to have him number one. Um, but just too many injuries robbed him of, like, about half the campaign. Um, but when he, he plays, was, he's phenomenal. He was a player at mind. So we've seen him on TV, I've seen him on TV a couple of times, but then I went to Celtic Park to cover the Celtic Hearts League Cup game. Uh, so I was I was quite early in the season. And you're watching him, and he's one of those players new to the league, and you're thinking, shit, he's very, very good. Uh, and he's very, very good at a lot of things. He's he's, he's great at noising, uh, noising opposition up, but in a different manner to Morelos. Morelos is kind of more in-your-face, whereas... Um, uh, Kyogo is is not not subtler. Uh, it doesn't do it in a more subtle way, but there's just uh, just different approaches to it. You, you have to appreciate that. His his pace is incredible. Just his brightness in the in the box. Just how quick he is to react to uh, to react to situations. How alert he is when he's running. His, his movements. One thing I noticed is his movements really good. Is that when he something I noticed really early on is that when he makes a run uh, if it, if he doesn't get it he'll move back on side really quickly and then go again uh, you just you just think he's it was just an incredible piece of business by Celtic and you wonder why surely all these top clubs around the world be thinking I'll look at the Japanese market and surely they came across him but fair play to Celtic and you look at his stats are stats are absolutely in, uh, incredible yeah I don't know whether like cause... but he's not afraid of else. <laughs> and unless he <laughs> and unless he winds up so many opponents and gets sent off loads of times he never will be um, yeah with Kyogo like I don't know whether it shows how good he is or, or like maybe, maybe it just shows how good he is that, that he is both number two for goals per 90 out of all the forwards in this long list we made number two for all forwards in goals per 90 minutes a season but he's also number three in expected assists that's why that, that's kind of why I really kind of went to that Jack and Marcus and thought mm, you should be a bit better because Kyogo is no doubt a goal scorer he always looks to score when he's in the penalty these positions around the penalty box but when you play for Celtic you need to I just think you should be also trying when you're in a position to Try and set up somebody else, and he does it very well as well. As well as being a, a, an incredible deadly finisher, he, he's number three for expected assists, number three for key passes as well. So he makes he's, he's great himself. He makes players around him better. He's electric to watch. His finishing ability is devastating. His movement is his movement himself is just great to watch. Just seeing him scamper and some of the runs he makes is it's it just kind of. It's one of those ones where you just kind of hold your breath. Like if you're if you're 
watching him because um, you just you know something good is going to happen and he's, but, he must yeah, be to, to have that balance of, of goal scoring and uh, creativity is exceptional and it, it will be regardless of whether Morel sticks around or not he'll be number one on, I'm sure on this list next season if he can stay fit for the vast majority of it he he must be again it's, it's weird like, so I don't think there's when I was making this list I I could easily had a uh, Kyogo uh, number one, but it's just it's it's bias. That's what's that's what has, what's uh, pushed Morelos to the top because I think they are uh, very much um, unequal, but they play and they play they've, they've got kind of similarities, but in a different way. So Morelos is a nightmare to play against just because he's just constantly it's. It, it, he he moves really well, but he's just constantly just engaging. He'll just engage you. Whereas Furuhashi, just he must be a um, kind of psychological nightmare to play. Psychological nightmare to play against because <laughs> the amount of times he runs or you makes a run. Opponents that he, PTSD. He, he just he just he's a type of player you just, he can't switch up uh, quick and can't switch off from because he'll drift. He'll make a run. He'll be offside, and then before you know it, he's making another run and another run and another run, and they're good runs as well. So you're like, do you try and play offside? You you try and drop off him. It just he asks, he asks so many questions of of defenders, as does uh, Mister uh, Mr. Buffalo. <laughs> Alfredo Morelos, yeah, he's still. I thought kind of felt like it's a shame that kind of the, a lot of the the second half of his season kind of got disrupted a bit. Because I do feel like he was kind of having a a return to the Morelos we really kind of preferred. I mean, I know he done he done an excellent job in terms of and for somebody that pouts an awful lot as well and looks like it doesn't take an awful lot to make him unhappy. He really did like he didn't moan really much around. I mean, he always I mean he always goes back to Colombia and says how he wants to leave Rangers the next transfer window. Like, but he didn't. Like he didn't cause any fuss in terms of the fact that he was asked to do like a deeper role. He was asked to sacrifice his own kind of stats for the team, and as somebody who was like properly the, the real talismanic figure, the guy who Rangers just used to throw the ball up to, especially in some European games, just throw throw the ball up to Morelos, watch him absolutely eviscerate a defender, you know, turn him, bully him, stick his backside into him, knock him down, turn away, get the ball, you know, maybe not always score um, because. Is when awake he can be a bit erratic in in that sense. He's 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 become more deadlier as his kind of Rangers career's gone on. But he's still, you know, he's still even this campaign. Even though I, thought, I kind of felt he was getting back to kind of some previous ties, his goal conversion rate wasn't particularly impressive for for a Rangers player. Um, but he then kind of went into that role under Gerard, where it was more just about dropping deep and kind of helping create space for others and, and using his undoubted ability to link play and also scoring goals as well. But just not being as much of that either focal point or as that kind of end product as it was, but we're getting back to that under Van Bronckhurst. And again, look, we say it every season, but it'd be great if he could stick around, especially now since Van Bronckhurst looks like he's going to use him more in that area. And we can maybe get a full season of, of Morelos just ragdolling defenders again, because it did kind of go out of his game a little bit. Uh, and also with maybe the kind of having to rein in his. What's the best way of putting it? Combustible ways. <laughs> I think he maybe lost a bit of that as well, but he seemed to all be coming together a bit before he, he kind of, then he had to kind of go away on international duty and then he was getting injured. and uh, Bit of a shame, but yeah, I'll still have him number one until until Kyogo himself is fit for an entire season and, and, and takes the belt off him. Uh, Morelos is still the, the, without a clear decision, Morelos is still the undisputed champion for me. The, when he said combustibleness, uh, I think the, just a phrase you're looking for is being a shit, uh, <laughs> which is which he's. I think when being a shit is he, when he plays when he's on that when he's on that fine line, there is there's there's no better sight and I think um, in terms of watching a player in Scottish football uh, than Morelos when oh, he almost feels slighted. He's like fuck it, I'm just going to have to uh, bully players and um, just just destroy people. I. Just the way the way it's transpired, you'll be fine. You you never know, but the way it transpired, you never know how the, how we, his availability would have changed the dynamic, of, like the semi final and stuff. But if he was available for that final, just just the way it tra- you looked at it, it's like they would have won that if they yeah. had Morelos. 
uh, if they had Morelos starting, he was he was he was fully fit. Especially he just he just I think he just tra- he's he's a transformative figure. He has been uh, f- for Rangers for uh, a lot probably since he's uh, since he since he arrived, and especially on the European uh, European stage. And it's a shame because he was doing he's done so well on the European stage to miss out on like the 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 biggest matches that Rangers have been involved in since he's since his time uh, joining them, but. The the second half of the season prior to his prior to his injury, I think it was it was so good to watch. Uh, I thought I thought you were seeing the the probably the best balanced, so the, the the most balanced and best version of Morelos, um, most refined in that he was scoring goals a game. He was being he was engaging defenders, ragged on defenders, but he was still. He was still being that kind of focal point striker who was not. It was, there was there's always a selfishness about Morelos, especially when he gets a chance around the box. But there's also uh, he also shows real um, uh, selflessness uh, in in his work and he's running outside the box. He's always making himself available for uh, for a pass, and you've seen it with no no player received more passes per ninety minutes. Um, and it wasn't even close than Morelos, and it just still shows you how important it is to the way Rangers build up that he'll offer. And he was so good at getting into that, um, moving from the the final third uh, back into the middle third and receiving a ball and kind of playing it around the corner and then driving himself without the ball in into the box, looking for, uh, looking for another, uh, looking for another pass to get a shot away. Uh, the most shot uh, shot assist per ninety minutes as well in in the league. He is. More than just a goal scorer now. He, uh, I think no no player uh, assisted more goals. No striker I don't assisted more goals than Morelos across uh, across the season. I just think there is he's, he's seen it that he is he's, he's he, I think he's always been border on a complete striker. But those those few moments prior to his injury, I just thought you were seeing the best the best of uh, Morelos and be just again interesting to see if he uh, if he hangs around and if he can find that again under under Van Bronckhorst because. Rangers are going to have to spend a hell of a lot of money to to replace what he gives them. Right, Joe, thank you very much for joining me. No problem. And thank you to everybody for listening. I hope you've enjoyed all these top 12s that we've done. Well, obviously, they'll be back and kind of to, to run through them again next season. You also wonder what the hell are we going to do? The season's done, um, but there will still be Terrace Podcasts. Um, there will there will certainly still be Patreons going up over the summer, so if you want uh, your your weekly fix, that is www.patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. But we will still be having some free to air ones. We do have our end of season awards show, as is our tradition, which we'll be recording tomorrow, and I'll either put it on Saturday or Sunday, and then we will also have a free-to-air podcast that will be going out after the Ukraine game and hopefully one after the Wales game Uh, and if not we'll do one more I would say looking at the Nations League campaign the three Nations League games that will then follow the playoffs uh, as a whole um, regardless of of whether we we manage to to get to the final and and face Wales or not so there's that to look forward to if not those will be the last podcast from us until near the start of the, the next league campaign. Uh, what I will also add, though, is that we will be putting up some kind of classic podcasts from the vault. There was a there was a, uh, a bit of a, a, a kind of miscommunication and a bit of a technical error I ended up with, a, a bit of our back catalogue being deleted, but we still have it uh, on file. So I'll be going through some of them and sticking them up just kind of randomly. So... Make sure to keep an eye on the feed for, for some of them. Uh, some, I'm sure they'll provide some kind of interesting time capsules. And I'll probably stick in like a couple of, you know, stick a couple of these lists from like 2014 and see. And you can maybe hear how much we've grown as uh, football analysts <laughs> since then. Some of the piss we're coming out with, some of the players we're picking. That should be a good laugh. So yeah, a lot to look forward to. But Patreon is definitely the place where there will be content going up consistently throughout the summer so that's where so if you're not a subscriber already please please get on it and that'll do us thank you Joe and thank you to everybody for listening if you don't hear from again soon I hope you enjoy your summer cheers bye bye Sports Social Podcast Network